Hello and welcome back to The Conversation. I post episodes twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays on pretty much whatever I like, so welcome. Today's episode is part two of my series on Candace Owens, Grifter or Visionary. If you haven't listened to part one, you might want to go back and give that a listen as a starting point and then come back to this one. In part two, we'll focus on the company that Candace keeps, on the people that she aligns herself with, her comrades in arms, if you will, to see what that can tell us about who she really is. Now, I don't believe in solely judging people based on their associations. I do not believe in or advocate for guilt by association. That wouldn't make any sense. As an example, say if a Muslim terrorist had endorsed and made a donation to Barack Obama's presidential campaign, we would not conclude from that that Barack supports Islamic extremism. Every individual ought to be judged on their own utterances and actions. However, the famed Greek storyteller of old, Aesop, once said, a man is known by the company he keeps. And Colin Powell, American politician, a diplomat, and retired four-star general, once said, a mirror reflect, reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. So I believe there is an age-old wisdom in these adages. And for me, a simple illustration would be, if I knew that you were close friends with Jeffrey Epstein, I would not assume that you are a sexual predator, but I would certainly not trust you with my teenage daughter on unsupervised holiday. So who has Candace chosen as colleagues in her fight for the voice of African Americans? But before we get into that, a brief introduction to Miss Owens is in order. According to Wikipedia, Candace Amber Owens Farmer is a 32-year-old American conservative author, talk show host, political commentator, and activist. Initially critical of U.S. President Donald Trump and the Republican Party, Owens eventually became known for her pro-Trump activism as a black woman, in addition to her criticism of the Black Lives Matter movement and the Democratic Party. In 2007, while a 17-year-old senior in high school, Candace said she received three racist death threat voice messages from a group of white male classmates. Candace's family went on to sue the Stamford Board of Education in federal court, alleging that the city did not protect her rights, resulting in a $37,000 settlement in January of 2008. She has a TEDx talk on the subject. In 2015, Owens ran a blog which frequently posted anti-conservative and anti-Trump content, including mockery of his penis size. She criticized conservative Republicans, writing about the, quote, batshit crazy antics of the Republican Tea Party, adding, quote, the good news is they will eventually die off, peacefully in their sleep, we hope, and then we can get right on with the obvious social change that needs to happen immediately, end quote. Here is a brief history of how Candace went from trolling Trump's willy on the World Wide Web to being his most vocal black supporter. In 2016, Candace had hatched plans to launch a website called socialautopsy.com using the global crowdfunding platform Kickstarter. 
the purpose of which was to expose bullies on the internet by tracking their digital footprint. The plan was for users to take screenshots of offensive posts and send them to the website. The proposal was immediately controversial, drawing criticism that Candace was de-anonymizing or doxing internet users and violating their privacy. People from all sides of the anti-harassment debate were quick to criticize the database, calling it a public shaming list that would encourage doxing and retaliatory harassment. So both conservatives and pro progressives condemned the website. In response, people began posting Candace's private details online. And with scant evidence, Candace blamed the doxing on progressives involved in the Gamergate controversy. This was a very interesting controversy that happened back in 2014 and had echoes into online culture for years. Look it up if you're curious. Anyway, after this, she earned the support of conservatives, saying in 2017, quote, I became a conservative overnight. I realized that liberals were actually the racists. Liberals were actually the trolls. Social autopsy is why I'm a conservative, end quote. Kickstarter eventually suspended funding for social autopsy and the website was never created. So by late 2017, Candace had started producing pro-Trump commentary and criticism of liberal rhetoric regarding structural racism, systemic inequality, and identity politics. Liberal rhetoric she herself had been publishing only a few months earlier. In 2017, she began posting politically themed videos to YouTube and launched Red Pill Black, a website and YouTube channel that promotes black conservatism in the United States. In late 2018, Candace went on to launch the Blexit Foundation, which featured a social media campaign to encourage African-Americans plus Latinos and other minorities to abandon the Democratic Party and register as Republicans with the promise of freedom. Blexit is a portmanteau of black and exit, which mimics Brexit, the word used to describe the UK's withdrawal from the European Union. Now, there is nothing wrong with changing your mind once you receive new information. But so far, Candace's journey from Democrat to conservative appears to be mostly fueled by chaos rather than thoughtful consideration, in my opinion. Regardless, let's dive into her new comrades in arms on this journey. She is close associates with or speaks highly of many figures in the American alt-right or far-right, including people like Katie Hopkins, Nigel Farage, Charlie Kirk, Ben Shapiro, and Tucker Carlson. We'll just take a few of these as examples. The first is Katie Hopkins. I first heard of Katie Hopkins when she was found in a compromising position with a married man in a field. She herself was married at the time, but let's put personal foibles and failures to one side for now. Candace interviewed Katie Hopkins on her Candace Owens show in November of 2020 and says that when she first heard Katie Hopkins speak, it was the most impactful speech in Candace's political career in terms of inspiring her to get concerned about American politics and the direction that political discourse is heading. This is a brief summary of the person that Candace says made her feel so patriotic. 
Katie Hopkins has a long history of writing for far-right tabloids including The Sun and The Daily Mail and was a member of the UK far-right party UKIP. The United Kingdom, the UK Independence Party is a Eurosceptic right-wing populist political party. There isn't enough time to go into detail about what an awful party it is, but it is characterized by associations with literal white supremacists like Tommy Robinson, rape apologists like Carl Benjamin, and rampant, rampant Islamophobia, with one of its leaders describing Islam as a death cult. These are nasty, nasty people, merchants of hatred and bigotry. People who hate immigrants and champion their demonization as a scapegoat for all of UK society's ills. In May 2014, Hopkins tweeted about the Romani people, saying, quote, Gypsies are not travelers. Travelers are people that commute to work or go, to hol go on holiday. Gypsies are feral humans. We have no duty to them. In April 2015, Hopkins wrote a column in The Sun comparing migrants to cockroaches and feral humans and said they were spreading like the norovirus. She wrote that gunships should be used to stop migrants from crossing the Mediterranean, remarks which were condemned by the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. In a 2015 statement, the commissioner urged the UK to curb incitement to hatred by its tabloid newspapers and stated that Hopkins used language very similar to that employed by Rwanda's Kangura newspaper and Radio Milkolin during the run-up to the 1994 genocide, and said that both media organizations were subsequently convicted by an international tribunal of incitement to genocide. Hopkins also promotes the anti-Semitic white genocide conspiracy theory. She has contended that immigration and multiculturalism are intended to make white people minorities. 2016, Mail Online was forced to pay significant damages to a Muslim family whom Hopkins had falsely accused of extremist links and to the teacher Jackie Teal after she falsely accused Teal of taking her class to a Donald Trump protest in Westminster. In the 2017 libel case Monroe versus Hopkins, Hopkins was required to pay damages and legal costs of nearly $160,000 to Jack Monroe after making defamatory remarks on Twitter. After the Manchester Arena bombing, her role at the phone-in and talk radio station LBC was terminated in May 2017 following her comments about the need for a court final solution, a term used by the Nazis to refer to the Holocaust. Hopkins was permanently suspended from Twitter in June 2020 for what the company has described as, quote, violations of our hateful conduct policy. She then joined Parler, the American microblogging and social networking service with a significant user base of conspiracy theorists and far-right extremists that was the hotbed of the rhetoric that led to the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol in Washington, D.C. In her interview with Katie Hopkins, Candace talks about how she judges people by how they treated her when she was just starting out in her conservative career. She says lots of people were rude and dismissive, while Katie was extremely sweet. <laughs> but Katie being nice to other horrible people doesn't make her a decent human being. They are both grifters, in my opinion. 
one just has a British accent. Katie Hopkins is a horrible, horrible person and a complete hypocrite. She rails against foreigners breaking laws in her country, but was recently deported from Australia for deliberately breaking lockdown rules and flaunting it on social media. But I guess maybe laws don't apply to her, maybe because she's a white woman, who knows? Anyway, she's mad. The next of Candace's associates is, of course, Donald Trump. I really didn't want to have to speak about Donald Trump. I knew it would be controversial because a lot of my audience love Trump for reasons I will never begin to understand. I initially thought, do I really have to explain how or why Donald Trump is a bigot and has emboldened racists? And realized, yes, yes, apparently I do. So here goes, I guess. First of all, please try and understand the significance of the fact that Donald Trump was endorsed both in the 2016 and 2020 US presidential elections by the literal Ku Klux Klan, specifically by the Grand Wizard David Duke. Do you know how exacting these guys' standards are? They don't usually participate in the bipartisan US politics, believing both parties to have been corrupted by quote-unquote the international elites. They don't endorse anyone. Even the seemingly right-wing politicians you see popping up are often rejected by them as quote-unquote controlled opposition. They hate pretty much everyone. And if you have the slightest whiff of having ties to, say, Jews, you're a non-starter. But they somehow manage to reconcile themselves to Trump despite him having a Jewish son-in-law and endorsed him for the presidency. And he, in turn, rewarded them for their loyalty over and over, most notably at the infamous Unite the Right rally, which was a white supremacist rally that took place in Charlottesville, Virginia, in August 2017. Far-right groups participated, including self-identified members of the alt-right, neo-confederates, neo-fascists, white nationalists, neo-Nazis, Klansmen, and various right-wing militias. Some groups chanted racist and anti-Semitic slogans and carried weapons, Nazi and neo-Nazi symbols, the Volknot, Confederate battle flags, Deus Volt crosses, flags, and other symbols of various past and present anti-Semitic and anti-Islamic groups. The organizers' stated goals included unifying the American white nationalist movement and opposing the removal the proposed removal of the statue of general robert e lee later on during the rally self-identified white supremacist james alex fields jr deliberately rammed his car into a crowd of counter-protesters about a kilometer away from the rally site killing heather Heyer and injuring 35 other people what was trump's response initially he caught condemned hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides, end quote, appearing to condemn both neo-Nazis and white nationalists. But both in this statement and subsequent defenses of it, he also referred to, quote, very fine people on both sides, implying moral equivalence between the white supremacist marchers and those who protested against them. Critics interpreted his remarks as sympathetic to white supremacists and while Trump supporters have characterized this interpretation as a hoax because Trump's quote fine people statement explicitly denounced white nationalists, that is certainly not how white supremacists received it, which should tell you everything you need to know. 
This is dog whistle politics, signaling support through coded language without actually saying anything explicit. And this wasn't the only time he did this. During the US presidential election debate in October 2020, he refused to explicitly condemn the far-right neo-fascist group, the Proud Boys, instructing them instead to quote-unquote stand down, which Proud Boys members called historic and an endorsement of their movement and activities. All over social media accounts, they appeared to take the statement as marching orders. There are honestly too many examples of Trump being racist to include without turning this into an hour-long episode, including his demonization of Mexican immigrants, characterizing them as, quote, drug dealers, criminals, and rapists, and referring to African countries as shithole countries. Now, I can hear some of you sniggering and agreeing that they are indeed shithole countries and, you know, you should know because you live there. But I can only pity you if you accept a man with a moral bankruptcy of Donald Trump to define your nation's character. But the truly unforgivable scene for me was his involvement in the case of the Central Park Five. If you don't know of this story, it was recently dramatized in the Netflix drama crime drama television series When They See Us, which I have never been able to bring myself to watch. It was a criminal case over the aggravated assault and rape of a white woman in Manhattan Central Park in 1989, in which five black and Latino youths were wrongfully convicted of assaulting the woman and served sentences ranging from 6 to 12 years. All later had their charges vacated after a prison inmate confessed to the crime. After the exonerations, the cases became a prominent example of racial profiling, discrimination, and inequality in the legal system and the media. All five defendants subsequently sued the city of New York for malicious prosecution, racial discrimination, and emotional distress, and the city settled the suit in 2014 for $41 million. Trump's role in the public perception of these boys was important. In May of 1989, Donald Trump put out full-page advertisements published in all four of the city's major newspapers, implicitly calling for the boys to die. According to a contemporaneous article in the New York Amsterdam News, the ad was widely condemned, including by then-Mayor Koch. According to one of the defendants, Yusuf Salam, quoted in a 2016 article in The Guardian, Trump was, quote, the fire starter in 1989 as common citizens were being manipulated and swayed into believing that we were guilty. Salam said his family received death threats after papers ran Trump's full-page ad urging the death penalty. I truly believe Donald Trump is one of the worst things to happen to democracy in recent memory. Let's take a brief pause and continue after the break. Welcome back. Now let's look at an assortment of other personalities and quote media outlets that Candace has aligned herself with over the years. Let's see what kind of personalities and views dominate these outlets and the friends she has made along the way. Pretty much everyone I'm going to mention in this next section loathed Donald Trump before miraculously changing their tune and sainting him as the savior of American politics. 
Candace has appeared on fringe conspiracy websites such as InfoWars, an American far-right conspiracy theory and fake news website owned by Alex Jones, founded in 1999. In 2018, while a guest host on Fox News, she began to distance herself from the far-right conspiracy websites but refused to criticize InfoWars or its hosts. According to Wikipedia, Alex Jones is a 47-year-old American far-right radio show host and conspiracy theorist. New York Magazine has described Jones as, quote, America's leading conspiracy theorist. And the legal advocacy group, the Southern Poverty Law Center, describes him as the most prolific conspiracy theorist in contemporary America. Jones' website, InfoWars, and his other websites, News War, News Wars and Prison Planet are derived from conspiracy theories and fake news. A staunch supporter of Trump's re-election, Jones supported the claims of electoral fraud in the 2020 presidential election and on January 6, 2021, was a speaker at a rally in Lafayette Square Park supporting Trump preceding the storming of the U.S. Capitol. Jones has promoted the white genocide conspiracy theory and has claimed that NFL players protesting during the national anthem were, quote, kneeling to white genocide and violence against whites. In October 2017, Jones claimed that Democrats and communists were plotting imminent white genocide attacks, and his reporting and public views on the topic have received support and coverage from various white nationalist publications and groups. Candace also hosts the Candace Show on PragerU's YouTube channel. PragerU, short for Prager University, is a court media company that creates videos on various political, economic, and sociological topics from court and American conservative perspective. PragerU has platformed people like Stefan Basil Molyneux, a 55-year-old Canadian far-right white nationalist, white supremacist podcaster, and band YouTuber, who is best known for his promotion of conspiracy theories, scientific racism, eugenics, and racist views. As of September 2020, Molyneux has been permanently banned or permanently suspended from PayPal, MailChimp, YouTube, Twitter, and SoundCloud all for violating hate speech policies. Molyneux is described as a leading figure of the alt-right movement and as far-right by various media outlets. Multiple sources have described his internet community as a cult, referring to the indoctrination techniques Molyneux has reportedly used as its leader. The legal advocacy group, the SPLC, describes him as an internet commentator and alleged cult leader who amplifies scientific racism, eugenics, and white supremacist supremacism to a massive new audience. In July 2018, Molyneux and Canadian political activist Lauren Southern toured the Australian cities of Sydney and Melbourne and was criticized for disparaging pre-colonization Australian Aboriginal culture, calling it, quote, very violent and downplaying and justifying massacres perpetrated against Aborigines, saying that the European takeover of Australia had been less violent than other such takeovers and that the settlers were trying to stop infanticide and mass rape. Molyneux called Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, quote, the lowest rung of civilization. 
In December 2020, New Zealand's Royal Commission of Inquiry report revealed the perpetrator of the Christchurch mosque shootings had made donations to Molyneux's podcast and that the terrorists' thinking was affected by what was said in far-right online communities and other far-right material he found on the internet, some of which included Molyneux's content. Candace has also appeared on Fox News, an American multinational conservative cable news television channel. Tucker Carlson, the highest rated host on Fox News, has drawn condemnation for an open-ended endorsement of white supremacist ideology by invoking the white replacement theory, a theory that has been cited by racist mass murderers, including the man who attacked a Walmart in El Paso, Texas in 2019. Tucker Carlson once said of Iraq in a 2006 appearance on a radio show, quote, I just have zero sympathy for them or their culture, a culture where people just don't use toilet paper or forks. He went on to call Iraq a, quote, crappy place filled with a bunch of semi-illiterate primitive monkeys during a 2008 call-in. He added of Afghanistan, it's never going to be a civilized country because the people aren't civilized. Ooh, my goodness, that was painful. But these are the people that Candace has been on record as saying she admires, are her inspiration, or has been happy to share a platform with. Intolerant types who peddle hatred under the guise of free speech. As I said, judge her on her own actions and words, but you'll forgive me if this isn't a ringing endorsement and if I choose not to listen to her. When someone surrounds themselves with proud racists, when they unreservedly, unreservedly share a platform with or endorse people who support the ideologies of the KKK and other white supremacists, how can they possibly be on the right side of history? Judge for yourselves. This episode is dedicated to my cousin Alan, who has taught me a lot about compassionate politics, about thinking critically and not being taken in by a veneer of respectability, smooth talking and intelligence. Just because someone speaks well and is seemingly well educated doesn't mean they're making good judgments. In the final part of this series, Fallacies, I will attempt to address some of the many false narratives that Miss Candace employs almost non-stop in order to pander to her white supremacist handlers, in my opinion. Thanks for listening. Give us a like and subscribe to the channel if you enjoyed this episode and follow me on Twitter at Eskentaro to continue the conversation. I hope you'll be back for the next one. Goodbye for now.